Hi friends, today I am chatting with Katie about her epilepsy journey and I think we talk about this during the episode but me and Katie have been trying to get together to record this for pretty close to a year. She's an amazing person, super supportive, a great friend and just someone who can really relate to you regarding epilepsy in general. So take a listen, let me know what you think and you guys have a great day. Hi, Katie. Thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. All right, everybody. So today I have Katie on the podcast and, you know, we've been trying to do this for close to a year. So I'm, I'm really happy that you are finally on to share your story. So Katie, let's just talk a little bit about you. Um, I usually ask, you know, what type of epilepsy do you have and how old were you when you were first diagnosed? I was diagnosed at age 24 in 2013. Uh, I have juvenile monoclonic with uh, the tonoclonic seizures, as well as the, the jerks, which is interesting because I had that my whole life, but I didn't think it was different. I thought that was normal. And that's something that's crazy because it's like, oh, I think this is fine. And it's like, oh no, that's part of it. Um, but when I, here's how I found out I was diagnosed. I work in New York City and in October of 2013, I, everyone seems to know when I'm off, but I don't know that I'm off, like the prior to having a seizure. And apparently my boss noticed I was being weird, but he thought I was just tired. And I went out to lunch and had the very first town the clinic on the streets of Manhattan. And some good Samaritan I still to this day have no idea who it was, uh, called 911 and they called my office who got a hold of my boss. And the local hospital in New York City, I mean, obviously New York has one of the best hospital systems. And it was near Presbyterian, which is, I think, one of the best. And they took me there and my boss met me there and I had another one while I was there. So that was two in one day. And they overnighted me in the ICU. And so that was the first one. Um, Where was Brian? He was at work on Long Island. So did he know any of this yet? Not yet. Okay. My boss called my, I think my mother. Yes, it was my mother. She was in a meeting with her new boss and a phone call comes through and she like ignores it because she's like, oh, I'll catch it later. 
and it was a persistent phone call. And, you know, my parents came into the city to the hospital to see me and they wanted to see me before telling him. They didn't want him to all of a sudden just drive into New York because uh, none of us had any idea what was going on. Um, but that was, so that was. So that was in 2013 and then did, so what happened, like, because sometimes when people have seizures, that's it. They're not diagnosed with epilepsy. But do you think because you had two in one day, did they automatically give you that label and send you on your way or with medicine or what happened after that? So I saw my first uh, neurologist. It was a doctor who was affiliated with that hospital. And he told me that, you know, Essentially, even though it was two, it was considered one because it could have just been, it wasn't treated right. enough. So if it stays this way and nothing else happens, because it's only one, it could just be a freak. Like a flu, thing. yeah. And he's like, if you have another one, then it's, then it's diagnosed as epilepsy. It's like, okay, hopefully that does not happen. Right. And <laughs> he put me on Keppra. Which is like everybody's first drug, everybody's I feel like. first. <laughs> and I was the lucky percentage of whatever they call who has the Keprage. Oh, yeah. I had it too, for sure. <laughs> and he's like, give it a month. So I gave it a month and it was like, I wanted to punch everybody. Yeah. A month of being miserable, miserable, angry, hate the world. Yeah. I oh, feel you. God, that was awful. And uh, so after a month, uh, they weaned me onto uh, the, uh, oh my God, Lamictal, uh, you know, not the brand name. And because that is the one that you have to be very careful um, in case you have that, uh, the rash. I forget what they call the rash. Yeah, uh, but you can also get a rash from Keppra. I think Keppra, I mean, I'm not an expert by any means, but I think Keppra and Lamictal are kind of in the same family. Like they're used for multiple types of like, quote, you know, quote unquote brain disorders. Mm -hmm. um, but Lamictal, I was actually just talking to my neurologist about it. One of the big side effects of Lamictal is headaches. So for people who have seizures and migraines, it's not necessarily a good drug to prescribe. Did you find yourself getting headaches with? I, I get headaches, but it's usually sinus related. Right. Okay. A lot of allergies. But um, so the very first day that I was on no Keppra and Lamictal, it was like a very low dose at that point, had a seizure. Um, it was on Brian, my at that point, boyfriend, my now husband, on his bed, we were watching TV and just had a, what they called a breakthrough seizure. 
um, just because I wasn't on enough medication. And so it was like, okay, called the neurologist. Um, and then they diagnosed it as epilepsy at that time. And what was the difference of time again between the first hospital stay and the seizure? Four months. Okay. I had to think about that. Um, and that, so that was 2014. And then I had. So in 2014, did you know anybody else that had epilepsy? No. Were you on social media yet? Like I was for, on social like, media, but to find I other people with epilepsy? I didn't find anybody until somehow I found Crystal's, uh, her old company, uh, Life Electric. Somehow I found it. I don't remember. And that was the first point where I decided okay, stop living behind this wall. You know, this doesn't define you. And that took a very long time. That was 2017. I had had prior, you know, in between 2014 and 2017, several uh, seizures, but you know, the same as they had been. Um, most of them, Brian hadn't been in with me and he would notice that I was off. Mm -hmm. I have no aura whatsoever. I mean, the, the quote, the offness could be your aura. It I might just, not, yeah. yeah, I mean, it might not be the traditional right before it happens, then boom, you know, like the metallic taste in your mouth or whatever. But yeah, I mean, that's good that they, that your family and friends sense the offness so they could yeah. prepare themselves for when, they might not know when, but to get a general idea, that's, I think that's pretty cool actually. Yeah. Cause some people don't even have that. I wish, I wish I <laughs> knew. Cause then I would like, yeah like if you knew yourself yeah you know like for me i have like raging headaches the whole week before it happens like huge headaches um but then i still don't know like right before it happens i have no idea and the most of my seizures i had um were at night so i'm sleeping you know i just wake up and i'm like oh hmm, okay um <laughs> but yeah, anyways, I try to always bring a little humor into the situation. Um, so that was, so then you found Crystal, who she's been on the podcast before. Um, you found her in 2017, right? Yes, I, be I believe that's when I found her. Don't quote okay. me on that. But that was like my first account that I saw people actually talking about it. And Prior to this, um, I had an episode that was like, it wasn't a full on seizure. So as we were gonna discuss, uh, my neurologist said, he gave me a prescription for what is called Ativan. And it, there's a you know generic for it. 
that they said, if you think a seizure is going to happen or it already has happened to give this medicine to stop them from repeating. And my sister at the time noticed I was off and gave me that medicine. So I didn't have a full on tonic-clonic. And so it was a minor thing. Like I was really out of it and like passed out. Uh, so that happened. And at that point in my life, my sister said to me, you need something to occupy yourself with. You can't always be thinking about this. So we joined at our local gym, Zumba. And that was something that was my outlet. You know, everybody needs something to burn off the stress. And that became my, okay, I'm not defined by this. I can talk about this to people because I met a lot of people who were so kind and I felt like I could express that. And that point I think was when I started looking online about is there a network out there? And that's how I think I found Crystal. Um, that year I even had a Zumba fundraiser where I raised over $5,000 and donated it to the Epilepsy Foundation, which was huge. I didn't anticipate raising that amount of money. So that is just yeah, incredible. That is incredible. Um, so uh, fast forward to May of 2019, you know, I had gone 11 months seizure free, like to the day, the following month, I would have been seizure free for a year. And in New York state, that's a, you know, you can drive again. So I was like, I want to just get to that point. Um, yeah, that's a huge, it's a huge milestone in the seizure and epilepsy community. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't have a car. Like I had sold it during that time because I wasn't using it. And so it was a huge thing. I could say, oh, I can get behind the wheel of my husband's car or my parents' car if I need to. And I mean, Long Island, you know, you can walk to certain things, but a lot of it is by car. You know, working in New York City, I didn't have to rely on a car. I could just walk it on a subway or train easily. But at home, slightly more difficult. So I had a seizure in the morning that Brian noticed as I was getting ready for work. And a lot of times they're in the morning. It's been like 
maybe one or two that were not first thing in the morning. I So I think uh, it's the medication has started to wear off and then it happens because I take medicine before I go to bed and then in the morning. And so he sees me putting three socks on one foot in the morning, which obviously is not normal and said, you know, we need to get you to lay down on the couch. So I don't know why he like to this day, cause I was right next to my bed. I don't know why he brought me down the stairs to the couch, but he must've had some sort of reason and got me to lie down. Boom, had the seizure and gave me the Ativan per my neurologist instructions. And I, usually it's about half an hour. You come to be very groggy, you know, the postictal state. And I wasn't coming to, like I was up, but not like recovering. And I don't have any recollection of this time. Like I'll have bits that pop into my head that I think is a dream, but it actually happened. So he's with me waiting for me to come around and that wasn't happening. He called my parents as well as the neurologist, you know, they, he told us like, anytime you have an episode, call the office, even if I'm not there, just so they have record of when they're happening. And when my parents came over, I still hadn't recovered. This is hours going by. And eventually the neurologist office opened and cause this happened at like 5.30 in the morning. Um, the neurologist opened and we said, you know, we gave the medicine or they gave, they said to him and she's still not coming around. And he said, go to the hospital. And by me, there is one hospital and he is affiliated with that has a neuro ICU that is a very good neuro ICU. And so I wasn't going to the local hospital that if you call 911, they bring you to. And they bring me there and I still wasn't like coming back. So this is hours, this must've been around noon at this point. And they like got me in the car somehow. Again, no recollection of this and brought me to the hospital. You know, they 
bring me to ER, that takes time. Then they bring you to a room and realize, no, this is more serious. You need to be in ICU. They hooked me up with a EEG. Um, I don't know if you want me to explain the EEG. Uh, no, that's fine. Just keep going. Um, and then I remained in that hospital bed having, they didn't, he said it wasn't status equilibrium, where you have repeated seizures. It was like, I had the one main, but there was still misfires going off in my brain. And like totally out of it, came to three o'clock in the morning. They had been giving me all sorts of medication to, you know, stop them from happening. And finally came to. Almost 24 hours later. Yeah. And I woke up in the hospital by myself and was like, first I was like, what happened? And then I was like, oh, right. Now I know. Turns out my parents had told Brian to go home, get some rest. This is going to be a long, long time. Of course, right? <laughs> of course, you have to wake up when he's not there after all of that. Now, so, I mean, that has to be huge trauma to your to not only like you and your brain to go through that much stress. Yes. Um, but also to your parents and Brian, like how, how are they, do they have any um, like just post-traumatic stress from that? Are they, um, have you felt that they get more nervous around yeah. you? Like if you're feeling off, I mean, that's gotta be really hard seeing your loved one like that. I, you know, they told me stories later on, you know, once I was totally quote unquote back to normal. Yeah. Like, are and, we ever normal? You know, <laughs> like, you know, they ask you the questions. Do you know your name? Do you know what year it is? And they pointed to my father and they asked, do you know who that is? And I had no idea to oh, my own man. father. And turns out Brian freaked out and said, she doesn't recognize her own father. What are the chances of her recognizing me? Where at this point I'd known him eight years. That's a long time. Yeah. I mean, not as long as knowing your dad, obviously, but <laughs> that, that is a long time. I mean, yeah, that's got to be scary. And that neuro ICU, I was there for two and a half days. Mm -hmm. And I, I still to this day just remember sitting there like, how did I get to this point? I was doing better. Like, usually you think okay, the beginning of it is the worst. And then you're figuring out the medicine. 
and it should get better. And then bam, this happened. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show that even though, I mean, like there is no cure, it could happen at any point in time. You just have to yeah, and apparently, be prepared for the what if. Apparently my parents or my sister asked like the nurse there, like, is there something that could have caused it? And she just looked at them and said, that's epilepsy. There's yeah. no reason. Like I have triggers, but who knows if that was the trigger or if it just happened. Yeah, but listen, I mean, that's, to be frank, that's bullshit. And that just goes to show that epilepsy research is so underfunded. There's, I can go on a tangent on this, but I won't. But I just wanna say like, for as common as epilepsy is, you know, it's tons of people have it, especially in the United States. There's absolutely no reason why people don't know why these seizures happen and don't have a plan to, to remedy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit after that. So you have been seizure free for a little over a year now, right? Yeah, I hit a year back in August. Yeah, so close to a year and a half almost. Right. One more thing. I'm just going to say, okay. There's two neuro ICUs within four months of each other. So I had another ICU the year before August. So that was the last time I've had a seizure. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. And you, (laughs) so of course you can't just have like a regular seizure. You have to go all out and get admitted to the ICU. Um, so are, do you, after these ICU visits, do they change your cocktail of medicine? Oh, I'm on a full cocktail of medicine. And so you think now with it being like knock on wood, but do you think now that because you've been seizure free for over a year, um, that the cocktail you're on has helped, has helped that? There's Definitely. I mean, I was on just one medication prior to these happening. Mm-hmm. Now I am on, in addition to the Lamictal, Onfi and Briviac, which is a newer medication. So it's, there's no generic, so it's quite expensive, but it's like the newer ver- version of Kepra. So they describe it as Kepra without the side effects. Um, And that was in between the neuro ICU visits, they started trying to work out the dosage of these. And you know, like anything else takes time. Right, right. And at that point in my life for years, people kept telling me to try um, get like a medical marijuana card. And I was so like, you know, really not sure of doing it. And at that point in my life, I said, I need to try something different. Even if the medicine isn't, is going to help them, maybe I need something else too. And I was like, 
I'm going to try doing CBD, which is very common in the epilepsy community, which I had no idea until social media. And I started taking it from that point on. And I really credit that as something that has helped me as well as help with anxiety, which goes hand in hand. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so many people with epilepsy have experienced depression and or anxiety. I mean, I take it for anxiety too. So it's very, like you said, it's very common in the community. Um, and there's several different types of CBD. You can get CBD without THC. So you can get it without having to have the medical card. So there's so many different options. It's very controversial. Yeah. Um, but I do recommend that if someone like, if you're listening and you're considering that you do need to consult with your neurologist because certain CBDs can interact with meds and you, the last thing you want to do is lessen the efficacy of your seizure med because you're ingesting CBD. Like it might do more harm than good. So like, don't just go buy something from Kroger and take it. Like you have to do your research, talk to your doctor and then decide a good plan of action. But I am really glad that the CBD that you're taking is working for you. I mean, that's great. Um, and like you just said, I had spoke to my neurologist saying, I, I'm thinking of doing this, you know, and, and you hear a lot that in the neurologic community, they really, some of them aren't for it. They don't think it works. There's not enough evidence. And I, I get that. I, I know they're still learning about it. So I was afraid to talk to him, but I was like, I, I'm on all this medicine. I need to discuss this with him. And he told me that uh, he, he is not against it. He just doesn't have enough research of it working because they're still you know, trying to figure it out. It's not something that they have evidence for like medicine, they've done trials and this and that. And he said, but I'm not against it. I just asked that you get this one test done. It was blood work to make sure my body was processing something correctly. And so I did that, everything was fine and started taking that. And he just asked me once you start taking it, if you keep taking it on a regular basis to let me know which one you're on, because I've had other patients ask me about it. And if it's working for you, I can tell them, oh, this is the name of one of my other patients if you wanna look into it. Because one of his patients is on something from Amazon. And I researched this like crazy because you can, like you said, you can go into the local store, bodega, supermarket, whatever, and see it. I did not want that. I 
have what I take is a company that puts out third party data. Um, they swear by their product 30 day guarantee. Like, just do your research. <laughs> right, for sure. Because the other ones, you have no idea what's in them. Yeah. And the last thing you want it to do is do you more harm than good. So, yeah. yeah. But like we mentioned before, we're not medical experts. Yeah. So you got to do your own research, but it's always, I always encourage stories to share. Now you shared your story on a blog and I think that's how me and you connected um, in the blog relay. What inspired you to do that? To, to actually start sharing your story more? Like I know you said you saw other accounts after you met Crystal, but like what, how did you pivot to start actually talking about it more? Was it after you started doing Zumba? Yeah. Yeah, and um, do you have, like, do you have people reach out to you and and mm -hmm. for more information I've had about? accounts reach out to me, which actually makes me proud that I've made a difference. I'm not as much of a pusher as obviously you are. Oh. But I, I try and do some sort of awareness because people just don't understand because it's kind of like hidden people. Yeah, are, it's still so taboo, which is again, crazy because it's so common. And that's the thing that was interesting. When I had my first seizure, my sister had, you know, left work early and came back the next day and was saying what, what happened. And her coworkers start saying, oh, this relative has it, you know, my spouse has it. And it's like, she had no idea, but once they hear that somebody has it, they open up about it. Yeah. It goes to show how much people have that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a hundred percent. Now, have you attended any of the, I know you raised money through the Zoombathon, but have you attended any local events to meet other people in New York? No. Not yet. Haven't. Yeah. Um, okay. So I typically ask each of my guests, uh, what is something that you, if when people come to you and they're newly diagnosed, they are scared, they don't know what to, how to, how to handle it. What is something that you would, a piece of advice or encouragement that you would share with them? That you shouldn't be afraid. There are so many people out there who have epilepsy and while it, you might think you're alone, you're not. And I wish I could have said, you know, social media, there's so many people out there who have it and you'll find somebody that you can talk to. Cause that was the first thing that was really difficult to me. So I felt like I couldn't talk to people about it cause nobody had it. And you know, you feel like people will judge you and this and that. Well, yeah. And also at the same time, you're, you're kind of in a, because like, and for me too, like when I have my seizures, I don't remember anything. So it's like, you're, 
you're on the outside looking in when you, someone's telling you everything that you supposedly did, but you have no idea. So like having someone that understands that is, um, you know, that just, it means the world to have someone that you can talk to, like, cause some people have seizures and they're fully conscious. Um, but a lot of times people have seizures and like you said, you wake up in the hospital and you're like, oh shit, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's great to connect to people who know. And I wish I had known that at that time. And it's like, it wasn't even that long ago. That was seven years ago. So it wasn't, social media was around, like it wasn't. I know you said there was no presence with mm -hmm. you. Not for me. I mean, they they used to have on the Epilepsy Foundation website, there used to have there used to be um, like chat forums. So like, I don't know if you remember, <laughs> like it's just like a topic and then you would comment underneath it. And it was, it was kind of like a Yahoo board. Um, it wasn't even like a person to person chat. Um, I don't even remember. I mean, at the time I lived right outside DC. So the, the main epilepsy foundation, um, was my local chapter, but I don't remember there being any other chapters. I don't know when that happened. Yeah. And I didn't meet my first friend, Sarah, until the walk in like 2012. So and then I, ha I had had my first breakthrough seizure in 2005. Oh, I'm sorry, 2006, January of 2006. So yeah, it was a long time. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met anyone physically in person. I've connected with a lot of people online. Yeah. Um, but I had, um, I had created a blog to talk about, to talk about epilepsy. And I had a fundraiser. One of my friends had like a t-shirt business. And so I raised money, people donated it and got purple t-shirts. Um, and then we all wore them at the walk. Um, and that's when I met her. And then she lived, Sarah, I mean, I'm still friends with her. Um, she lived like 20, 30 minutes away from where I lived in Virginia. Yeah. And then another friend, Sarah, she lived in Pennsylvania. She. I think that, you know, I think that's why I say that there's, there wasn't any local chapters because she drove from PA to DC to do the walk. Wow. And I, I can't imagine her, I mean, I can, I can't speak for her, but I can't imagine she would do that if there was a local walk too. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe she really just wanted to meet me. I don't know, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so. Yeah, it, it's totally different time, especially with, um, yeah, especially with how social media has evolved. Well, Katie, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. And where can people find you? Um, on Instagram, it is K-A-T-Y-C-O-M-P-O-S-T-O. So that's Katie Composto. All right, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 
As always, I know that you have literally hundreds of shows that you can listen to, so I 100% appreciate every single listen, every single one of you. You can find me at Jamie Wissinger on all social media platforms, and I will see you next week.